at the end of this study through 1 John. It's been a great study uh, for me personally, uh, very challenging, convicting, and affirming. And John is finding himself closing out this letter. It'd be like you and I writing a letter to someone that we loved and cared about. And you're getting to the end of a letter, and so it would be your like, concluding thoughts. Or it'd be like, hey, don't forget this. <clears throat> it's those moments when everything's been said... And you want to send like one last reminder, like before you go, remember this. It's like a parent that uh, sends their kid off to camp, like, hey, don't forget, brush your teeth. It's like you, you, those things that you want to remind them. It's, it's a parent leaving a home and, and the children are at home and you remind them, don't forget to turn off the lights. Don't forget to lock the door. It's, it's those moments where John is saying, hey, I've said all of this, but... Don't forget this. And so in his conclusion to this church that was at Ephesus, he's reminding this, these people that he dearly loved. Like, before I sign off, before I say, I love you, John, remember this. It's what every parent wants to do with their kids. We want to, to help them grow and become more Christ-like. And, and it's like we, we remind them of things along the way. Hey, don't forget this. Don't forget that. Like, in our case, uh, Browns, as I look at my children, and Ann and I have raised our children, we have these, like, these, these ironclad things that say, you're brown, and that means this. So don't forget. Don't forget these things. And so we've been repeating them over and over and over as, as God has given us a chance to raise our precious kids. And it's like, don't forget this. This is your name. This is who you are. You're a Christ follower, so live in such a way. Don't forget. And in Isaiah, I can recall a kindergarten, one of my favorite stories about Isaiah, there's many, but he was just a little tight, blonde hair, and he had a big, big smile, and he's going to school, and has this little backpack on, and so he goes to kindergarten, and as he walks into kindergarten, um, it's, you know, it's that time to line up students, and his kindergarten teacher, you know, says to Isaiah, or to all the students, hey, we need a line leader, whoever wants to lead, come up to the front. And so Isaiah just runs to the front, big smile on his face, blonde hair, you know, just smiling, standing there and at the front. Of, and so the teacher was grateful there was someone who wanted to lead. And so next day, she said, can we have someone else that would like to, to be the line leader? Isaiah sprints to the front again, just, just stands there. And, and so teacher loves his enthusiasm. Third day, same thing. It's, can we have a line leader? Isaiah runs to the front again, just stands there. I'll be the leader. And I'll never forget the conversation we had with this teacher. She was um, recalling this event. And she looked at Isaiah and she says, uh, why do you keep running to the front? We need, she said, my daddy says I'm a leader, so I belong up front. It was just this, there was this picture of, don't forget that you're this leader. I mean, just picture little Isaiah just sprinting to the front. But don't forget, John is saying, don't forget these things. And so we get to the end. He's saying, okay, okay, church at Ephesus. Uh, okay, Grace Community Church. But don't forget these things, because these are very important. Grab your Bibles and turn to 1 John chapter 5, and here are these things that John was saying. And we're going to read from 13 to 21, but just in standing, we're going to look and read John, 1 John 5, verses 13 through 15. If you don't have a Bible, hold your hand up. Ushers will put one in your hand. But as you find that stand, and we'll read this together, 1 John chapter 5, verses 13 to 15. And if you need a Bible, hold your hand up. Our ushers will be glad to place one in your hand. It's the end of the book, and he's saying, don't forget. Let's read this out loud. 1 John 5, verses 13 to 15. Ready, read. 
I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And we know that he hears us. Whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of him. You have a seat. It's interesting. I want you to quickly look at how many times John says, we know, and how many times he says that you know. He wants, like, don't forget this. So just quickly look at your Bibles or your mobile devices and look at verse 13. It says that you may know. Look at verse 15. That we know. Verse 15 again. We know that. Look at verse 18. We know that anyone born of God. Verse 19. We know that we are children of God. Verse 20. We know also the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. John is on this journey reminding us, you know this. Now listen, we know this. I want you to remember that you know this. Prayer is your lifeline. This is how we know that we have eternal life, John said. He said, as he recalled to them, this is the purpose of the book. This is why we live out our faith. The way you know that you're a Christ follower is that these fruits come out of you. And so the best indicator whether or not you love Jesus Christ and are his child is if you're living in this form and fashion. But he also throws this into the mix. Prayer is your lifeline. I want you to know this, John is saying. Confidence, though, and boldness and courage are lacking in our Christian circles today for a variety of reasons. We have an enemy who constantly is trying to remind us of our past, remind us of our shame and our guilt and our sin. And if we continue to live in the past, sins that we've repented of, sins that we've asked for forgiveness of, if we stay there, then we don't have confidence. We don't walk in in boldness. And John is saying this, remember, Go to God confidently because of what the work he's done in your life. John wants us to know today, in closing, that you're children of God. And that we can know the truth. And once you know that, you've lived differently because God has equipped you to do every good work. Even Peter tried to stress this when he wrote that God in his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. Why does John want us to know that we can have eternal life or that we do have eternal life? Because it means you and I, now think about this. It means that you and I can look death in its face and say, I do not fear because to live is Christ and to die is gain. Seriously, now wrap your mind around that for a second. We really shouldn't have no fear of death when we're Christ followers. Like even today, if you and I were to leave and I jumped in my Jeep and I got on County Road 21 and I went south home to New Paris and I was in a head-on collision and I lost my life. Don't grieve over that death because I now am in the presence of Jesus Christ and so are you that have a relationship. So there's no fear of death itself because this life is, is, is temporary. The life that's permanent is with God forevermore. And so John is saying to live is Christ. And, or Paul said to live is Christ and to die is gain. John said, remember that you're a son of God. There should be no fear in your life. That should move us to stand before God confidently. That moves us from the bleachers and the pews to the front lines, knowing that physical death is only a promotion for more life. I love how Eugene Peterson said that regarding life in Philippians 1.21. He said, they didn't shut me up. They gave me a pulpit. 
alive. I'm Christ's messenger. Dead, I'm his bounty. Life versus even more life. How can I lose? John wants you and I to remember that belonging should breed confidence and courage. You cannot build God's reputation if you aren't willing to take and risk yours. So John is saying, remember who you are. You belong to God. So as any father would go, or any child would go to his father, go to him in confidence, knowing that you are a child of God, and ask because he does hear. When you don't know who you are and who your God is, you are stripped of the very things that Christ wants you to walk into and to walk with. We know he hears us, John says. We know we have what we ask because it lines up with his will. But when you're absolutely certain who your Abba Abba Daddy is, you go before him. I mean, I believe this with all of my heart as a father, this, that daddies are built to help their children. There wouldn't be a father in here that has a child that wouldn't understand that. Like, there's this innate sense that God has placed into me to, to, to help my kids. I love when my children ask me for help. Like, I'm not put off by that. It's like, there's times I, I wish they would just ask me for help because I could help them that way. So there's this picture I see of God in heaven. He's saying, come to me confidently, children. Come, come, keep coming to me. Ask whatever you want. And it lines up with my will, I'll give it to you. And there's got to be those moments in the time he says, why don't you just ask me for help? Even this week, I was in conversation with my daughter, Hannah, who's a senior at Grace College, and she was texting me. And I was texting her, and I was telling her about something I was doing on her behalf that we've been talking about for a while. And I said, hey, this is what I found out, and I'm hopeful that this takes place, and I'm hopeful that that takes place. And, and so I was working on her behalf, trying to work out this situation. There was a part of me that's like, I love this, being able to help my daughter. And so after about five or six texts, I told her what I was doing, and this could possibly happen for her. She texted me back this. It was six smiley faces and ten exclamation points. It's like... Sometimes I wonder if God just saying, like, like just, just, just ask me. Just, just, just do, let me do this. John is saying, don't forget who you are. You have an Abba Daddy that longs for you to come to him. With every need that you have, why is it that we don't go to him first? I'm reminded of my life when I go back to prayer journals that I have and This week, I pulled out a prayer journal that reminded me of times going to God and just seeing how he has come through. Like, it's always good to write down these requests in this journal that that you have with God and and then see how he has come through. And let me give you a picture into one of my journals. This was December 17th, 1998. And be quite frank, it was a very hard time in the, the history of Grace Community Church and there were moments Ann and I were going home, and we didn't know we were going to get paid that week. Money was tight, and God was bringing us a new wave of Christians who were just learning how to give. And, and there were many tears that we had, but we believed that God had us on this journey for a purpose. And, and I recorded this on December 17, 1998, in that season of time. Hello, God. I love you. It's Monday morning, and I'm sitting in the front room looking out the window. Maybe we are going to have a colder week. 
It's been in the 60s for about all winter. Gas is 73 cents a gallon. (laughs) Wow. Well, you've answered again for us a prayer request at church concerning our finances. Two people have given $1,000 checks. I'll never forget that. Praise the Lord. We had three baptisms yesterday in a real sweet worship service. There appears to be a real movement of God. We had 117 people in attendance and some new faces. Please, God, continue to move in our church and, and take full reign of our lives. My family is doing well. Anne is such a good mom and is planning how she will make Christmas gifts because we can't purchase them. Josh and I had an opportunity to lead three boys to Christ on Saturday while playing basketball. Praise the Lord. Well, it's Monday, and I enjoy sitting here with Anne and chatting. Please help me, God, to remain faithful and give me guidance concerning our future. I love you, Lord. June 28, 2000. It is Wednesday morning in court has gone, been gone for about two weeks. He was a staff member. Somehow, with God's help, we have managed to get through this transition. Many responded Sunday to a call for help from God. It was a real movement of God. We have been dreaming about our future as God is filling our sanctuary. My heart's desire is that more people will begin to pray on Wednesday nights. I know that's where the power comes from. I've been reading a lot of books lately on prayer and want to know better how to pray. I love you so much, Jesus, and want you and only you to get the credit for what's happening in our midst. Help me to stand in your shadow. Please fill me with your spirit and use me in unusual ways to point people to Jesus. I pray that we will continue to see new people and that these four walls on Clinton Street will not be able to contain what you have started. Give us many souls to lead to you. Keep us pure. Help us to find your man to lead worship. And that was before I asked him, we asked Maya to come. Show us the steps in the future. Blow us away, God. We want to see unimaginable things happen. Thanks for all you do. I love you, Jesus. It's good to go back to those times when you just cry out to God and then you see this unfolding power and his hand working in an evident way in your life. And so today, John is saying, please, Grace Community, don't forget, we have an Abba Daddy that's longing for you to cry out to him. Go to him in confidence. And when you go to him, you will have what you ask for. John says, since he is listening, he will act upon your prayers. Prayer then becomes your lifeline. As easy as you breathe, prayer is the same oxygen that feeds your soul. And so you get an opportunity, and I get an opportunity to hand off the seemingly impossible things into the hands of your father who can do anything he chooses to do with it. He's not limited in his resources. For the life of me, to be quite frank, I can't imagine why we wouldn't go regularly to God first. Why is it that we think we can do it when we have a father that says, hey, I can do anything. Why don't you ask me? Mark Batterson said this regarding prayer. He said, bold prayers honor God. And God honors bold prayers. God isn't offended by your biggest dreams or your boldest prayers. He's offended by anything less. If your prayers aren't impossible to you, they're insulting to God. John is saying, don't forget, Grace Community, who you are 
and who your Abba Father is. The greatest tragedy in life is the prayers that go unanswered because they go unasked. I wonder when we get to heaven, it's worth thinking about this. If God will say, hey, come here, Jim. Come here, Grace. Come here, Bob. Come, Sally. Come, John. Come, Tim. Just sit here a while. I want to show you with this video of all the things I wanted to do for you and was willing to do for you if you just had asked. And he hits play. And all these answers, all these these seemingly puzzling events in our lives where we were, our hair and our bodies were bewildered. And and God is saying, I had it ready to give to you. Listen to me, Grace. John is saying today, listen, he's saying, don't forget, don't forget that there's a God who's longing for you to go to him and go to him confidently. John says, once you know who you are and once you can do it, pray to him. Secondly, John reminds us of this, that we should live our life, our faith in a passionate way. Look at verses 16 and 17. He says, if you see any brother or sister commit a sin that does not lead to death, you should pray and God will give them life. I refer to those whose sin does not lead to death. There is a sin that leads to what? What's the word? Death. And I'm not saying that you should pray about that. All wrongdoing is what? What's the word? Sin. And there is sin that does not lead to death. John, before he signs off and and he sends this truth to the camp, he says, I want you to remember, be careful the way you live your life. Be careful the way you deal with sin. Make sure you've repented of it. Make sure that it isn't a a habitual habit that, that you refused to leave. Take a close look at your life to make sure you're not wasting this call on your life. Examine your life daily. Don't forget, Christ followers, that there's consequences for your sin. In fact, in other words, there should be enough evidence to convict you that you are a follower or enough evidence to leave one shaking their heads wondering why you live the way you do, why you live in such a radical way. You see, there is a sin that leads to death. I'm not talking about blaspheming of the Spirit. I'm talking about a sin that leads to death for believers, for those who call themselves Christ followers. There is a sin that leads to death for Christ followers. And John is unpacking this for us. Tecumseh, who was a warrior, said this. He said, when it comes your time to die, be not like those whose lives are filled with the fear of death. So that when time comes, they weep and pray for a little more time to live their lives over again in a different way. Sing your death song and die like a hero going home. In other words, live in such a way that you're fully dependent upon God. Without the fear of death resourcing everything you do from Father God who supplies you because God lives in you. Live in such a way that your light shines so brightly that's reflected from God that people run to Jesus. Otherwise, John is saying, why live if you're not living in that form and fashion for Christ? I long for us to be the people. I long for me to be the person that would live in such a way that the fear of death would never enter our hearts. 
Let me just ask you a personal question today. Just, just answer this. Don't answer it for your wife. Don't answer it for me. Don't answer it for someone else. If you breathed your last breath today, would you confidently hand this past year's calendar off to Jesus and say, Lord, I gave everything for you? Think about that for a second. John is saying, live in such a way that your light is so bright that when you breathe your last breath, you stand before God. And as you stand before God, you say, God, I lived my life with faith that didn't fear death. Here is my calendar to prove it. John Sowers said this in his book, The Heroic Path. He said, our call is to the deep woods, away from privacy fences, safety and control. We must face something awful, stare him down, and then return home, change. So John says this. He's telling me, don't forget, there is a sin that leads to death for Christ followers. In other words, if there is a pattern of regular sin in your life and zero exploits for Jesus, then you better ask two questions. One, am I truly born again? Two, Have I gotten to a place where I no longer add any fruit to the kingdom? Listen, this is serious stuff John is concluding this message with. John is saying that there is a sin that leads unto death for believers. The sin leads to premature death of a saved person. It is a person who rejects the daily promptings of the spirit and the discipline of God in his life and renders himself useless for bearing spiritual fruit. I always cringe when I see people fill their schedules with things that make them happy instead of activities that bring Jesus greater glory. Short and sweet, this is the sin that leads to death. It's a person who's saved, yet has coasted for long periods and becomes cold to the promptings of the Spirit and hasn't dealt properly with the sin in their lives, repented and confessed it, and now is living in a holding pattern, God takes their life prematurely. And why? Because you are of no good for fruit for the kingdom. And God, it's even in the act of grace that he does it. He removes us and he, he, he takes us to heaven. But listen, what a way to go. I can't think of a more disappointing way to go that God actually removes us from planet Earth because we refuse to let the light of God shine in our lives. You see, I'm very concerned when I see Christians who once were fiery, passionate believers now living faithless lives. You know what I'm talking about. It's phrases that come out of the lips that say these kind of things. I've done my part. I will let someone else do it now. I'm going to take a season off. Like, where does that found in God's word? Like, where do you find, I'm going to take seasons off for long periods, and I'm going to let other people step in. Where do you see that in Scripture? John is saying to us today, Grace, keep your fire hot. And don't be a person who spends all of his time talking about others doing it. Be the person who is doing it. Or, Don't be the person who's criticizing others who are doing it. I came across this quote this week that I don't want to be this person who spends all their time doing this instead of doing it for Christ. 
John Locke said this way, new opinions are always suspected and usually opposed and without any other reason but because they are not already common. I want to be a person that, and I want us to be the church that's willing to do whatever it takes to let the light of Christ shine in a dark world. Anybody else? I want to be that kind of church for Christ. You see, John is saying, don't forget though, there is a sin that leads to death. If you aren't doing it, then you are probably spending a large chunk of your time criticizing those that are. For the life of me, sometimes I just can't understand that. Like, I don't have enough time in the day to get done what I want to get done for Christ. How in the world do I have time to take time to criticize someone else who's trying to do it? I've come to realize, and and you have too, that criticism is an indicator that you're probably on the front lines. And if you aren't being criticized, then you aren't moving forward. And so John is saying, don't forget that there's a sin that leads to death. Get with it, Grace Community Church. Then he wraps up this letter reminding us that we have a real enemy who longs to shut us down. Look at verses 18 to 21. Verse 18 says this, John once again says, We know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. The one who was born of God keeps them safe. And the evil one cannot do what to him? Harm him. We know, once again, that we are children of God. And that the whole world is under the control of who? The evil one. We know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding. So that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true by being in his son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. And then John wraps this letter up by saying, Dear children, keep yourselves from idols. We have no reason to fear when we're walking with Christ. And John is saying, be very careful as you walk this life. Because if you walk out of the circles of community with God, you lose your protection. But if you walk in community and you walk living your life out for Christ, you are protected. You are safe. You could walk to the gates of hell and be protected by God. Paul said it this way, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? No great move of God has ever been accomplished by saying, I wish I would have been the one. Yet the warning is this, as you and I drift away and surround ourselves with our own crowds and lose the circle of protection, be very careful because you can be deceived and sucked into the world system that's run by the enemy and lose the protection of God because of your life choices. John says this in his final word, dear children, keep yourselves from idols. Like, these are his last words before he he signs off and says, love John. He says, if you have anything that you love more than Jesus, then run as fast as you can from it. What you make time for shows what you love the most. Like, what did you make time for this week? You make time for what you prioritize the most. You and I are often disheartened, and I am when I 
had people tell me, I don't have time for this, or it's too far, or it's too much money. Yet a week later, you'll see them drive and a long ways to go be part of something. You'll see them take the time during that very same time to do other things, or you'll see them spend gobs of money on something else. John is saying, be very careful. Don't forget. You see, idols can become people. Idols can become your children. Idols can become your jobs. Idols can become your possessions. And John is saying, be very careful. Be very careful, dear children. Keep yourselves from idols because if you do, you could run off course and you could find yourself so far away from God that you no longer reflect his light. As a kid in vacation Bible school, I learned a lot of songs that were really meaningful to me. And sometimes the theology of those songs mean more as I age. And as I was thinking about wrapping up this series, I remembered a, a course that I learned as a kid, and, and I would sing it at the top of my lungs, and it was pretty special to me. And, and so as I wrap up this series, I think it's appropriate that we sing it. If you know the words to this song, I encourage you to jump in with me. But truly, this is the mission for Christ followers. And it goes like this. Join in if you know it. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Don't let Satan blow it out. I'm going to let it shine. Don't let Satan blow it out. I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Hide it under bushel, no, I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under bushel, no, I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Would you stand with me if you know the last verse and... Sing it as a commitment to our God, the Father, today. Let it shine till Jesus comes. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine till Jesus comes. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Oh, God, I pray that that would be our mantra. I pray, God, so we breathe our last breaths. And we would let your light shine in such a bold way that people run to Jesus Christ. I pray, God, that we wouldn't step away or walk away from this incredible opportunity you've given us to take light to a dark world. I pray, God, that we would boldly approach you in confidence and courage. I pray, Lord, that we would surround ourselves with the pe- right people who challenge us. I pray, God, that we would spend our seasons of our lives, the last minutes, the last hours of our lives, living in such a way that if you would call us home, that we would be brightly lit up for you. Oh, God, please, may we be the church that lets it shine until you come home. We ask this in the strong name of Jesus Christ. Amen.